And whether it's, you know, a person looking for hourly work or a contract position or, you know, a traditionally sort of blue collar role, or a lot of our friends and, and, and former colleagues who are now on the hunt for even executive positions or, you know, technical positions or marketing roles, it is just a brutal, brutal time to be on the hunt. Mm -hmm. And people are not doing enough to showcase that empathy and willingness to help. You know, just can't lose sight of it. Just because you're you're gainfully employed at any given moment doesn't mean that you can't vividly picture what would happen if you're not. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions. Digitally transform your business the right way, the Leap way. Visit www.leapconsultingsolutions.com to find out more on how your business can build, change, and adopt technology the right way, the Leap way. What is happening, I get you every time. <laughs> uh, Lauren Jones, I appreciate when you mimic my count in and make me laugh when I'm trying to say hello to you. How the hell are you? fly as you say oh super fly like super fly. by the way guys lauren is all is lady in red today she's yeah. got red eyeglass frames she's got a red shirt on uh, and she definitely put on some extra red lipstick before we hit, yeah. we hit record about two seconds ago i was feeling i was i was feeling spicy today you were having a red moment i like that i, was. I woke up you feeling are you feeling 22 no yeah. <laughs> i'm feeling every bit of 50 oh uh, um, Mostly because I just started Pilates, uh, and my body hurts. That'll make you feel like you're 50. That report, there are muscles that I was unclear that were in my body. Mm. <laughs> Not anymore. Uh, Pilates is a great humbling experience for any human. Yeah, yeah, that so. reformer is no joke. There, I, there are apparently muscles in my feet, um, and oh, and they hurt. Yeah. So yeah. dare I say, my earlobes have been sore. So. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, got I, I don't even, I mean, I can, we could have a whole episode on all the pain I've experienced doing, uh, mega former Pilates. We won't. All right. Well, with us today, we have a, a good friend of the podcast. Uh, she goes by Vinda, but her real name is Arvinda. How are you? I'm doing great. Are we going to talk about Pilates today? Let's do it. You want, you want to do an episode? Not, you do Pilates, right? I've done it a couple of times. I used to do bar more of Stay engaged, guys. Here we go. All right. I'm yeah. in it to win it. Let's, this is going to be a, a thing. Um, Vinda is the Vice President of Corporate Communications for EmployBridge, sponsored by Blue Crew. Not sponsored by. Powered by. Powered by. God damn it. I thought I was going to do it right. Anyway. You had one job. Uh, and one job. Yeah. One job. Powered by Blue Crew, which is a, uh, a like a, kind of like a full cycle platform, right? For your for your talent and your customers. That is correct. It's book. a workforce on solutions platform, correct. Platform. I like it. I, I'm not even prepared for any of these things, but I can do it anyway. Um, and before that, uh, I was actually a huge fan of Vinda when I worked, when we both worked that at sounds ominous. Horn. Before that, I was a bit that down, not really. Before yeah, I it should be ominous. A fan of Vinda. I've been a fan of Vinda's for a while. <laughs> she used to get on calls and be like, this is how it is. You know, screw you if you don't believe me. Um, and it was how, usually how it was. 
So yep. big, big yeah. fan of that. Uh, but let's get to know Vinda a little bit. <laughs> okay. Lauren, you want to go? All right. Yeah. Vinda, I love you so much because you are just as direct as I am. And there's just not too many people that can swallow that. So this is why I hurt you so much. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to go through our get to know you questions. Okay. And we're opening with what book recommend would you give us for our listeners? Okay. So. I am very serious about books because I am incredibly pedantic and I was an English major at Tufts. So I take literature quite seriously. That being said, I'm reading a bunch of really interesting things right now. One that I'd probably recommend is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. So that's interesting. Not exactly saying it's like literary canon, but yeah, I was, it was the first book we read at this book club that I run called Rad. Um, Rad Women. It stands for reading and drinking. And we base a group of young moms um, in, the, in my town who get together to uh, to read and uh, and partake of each other's company and beverages. Um, and so uh, it's great. You can, you know, anything from from coffee to seltzer, it's whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. But the books are great. And it's always about a strong female protagonist. So this book basically maps different paths a woman's life could have taken. Her name is Nora. And it kind of just underscores the fact that the life you're living doesn't necessarily have to be the wrong life just because you wonder about the what ifs, right? It turns out that there are lots of versions of good. You just have to be open to embracing it. All right. Question number two. Uh, what is your most memorable moment in staffing Hmm. okay that's a tough one there are many memorable moments the one that probably stands out to me the most is just all those years that i was the narrative architect for engage it was an awesome uh privilege and i got to know so many amazing people in staffing through that role uh and just the ability to have autonomy and authority, which, you know, kudos to the team at Bullhorn for, for letting me kind of fly in that way, um, to just shape the, the structure and the content of that event. It allowed us to really bring to the forefront of the industry conversation a lot of really meaningful issues, not just from a technological standpoint, like obviously, you know, being among the first to really have elevated conversations around, you know, AI and, and, diversity and inclusion and, and just these issues that at the time were just kind of burgeoning for whatever reason, really advanced to the mainstream by nature of, of the attention and focus we put at that event. Um, so that is a huge, a huge kind of turning point in, in my career. Um, beyond staffing, I mean, there's, there's so many moments that stick out too, uh, you know, across my career, I've been very fortunate to run PR and, and global thought leadership for some wonderful companies and clients. And to see the impact of that work on a large scale has been an incredibly uh, meaningful and just um, really a source of pride for me. You know, it's, it's wonderful when you have that type of platform and you're able to put it to good. Okay. Out. Hide uh, your professional life. Yes. What is your greatest achievement? Oh, boy. Okay, so the obvious answer is my three daughters. Um, <laughs> that was a hard-fought achievement, let me tell you. that The road to having them was not an easy road, and it's not one I would wish on anyone. I had far more 
you know, losses than wins, but those wins were so, so meaningful and they were so worth it. Um, so definitely them. They are cute. They are amazing. They are some cute kids. Like I'm biased, obviously, but they're cute. They're objectively cute kids. You know, I, I could potentially just get them into a little, you know, child modeling or something and just can't just sit back, cash out. But uh, no, they are amazing. And they're also just good human beings. And I find that to be super critical. I mean, I see a lot of focus on parenting right now where it's like, get into the best schools and get the best grades. And yeah, of course I want that. But ultimately, I just want them to be decent people, right? Like that's the only legacy you really leave behind in the world. Being a decent person. Yeah. Great. I like that. All right. Most important question. Okay. Greatest failure. Yeah, man. Okay. How long do we have? Um, that long. Well, look, I would say my greatest failure is continuous. And it's also maybe one of my greatest strengths, which is I trust way too easily. I don't love too easily, but I trust too easily. I assume that people can always see that I have very positive intentions, even if I'm passionate, even if I'm loud, even if I'm brash, even if I'm emphatic, right? My heart is always in the right place and I am unfailingly loyal to the people that I serve, clients, customers, my executives. I am sort of like a sarcastic cerebral golden retriever. And, you know, that has provided a sense of accomplishment throughout my career and my life, but it's also really put me in some precarious situations, right? When that trust and that loyalty isn't reciprocated or if I misread it, I'm very, very good at anticipating threats to the companies that I work at and serve. Um, I am less good at seeing it in my own personal lens. And so I would say that trust is an asset, but it's also a liability. And I continually have to just think around it, but I'll never stop being that person. It's just who I am. Oh, my God. Please never stop being a sarcastic, cerebral, golden retriever. That might be the greatest description of oneself that I've heard in a long time. Yeah a personality test and i'm a lion golden retriever Ooh. um which yes um which how how do i find out what kind of golden retriever i am <laughs> yes yeah. which i think is fantastic okay now this is really the most important question okay. that robin and, to know, and our listeners are tuning in this is all quiet's gonna happen now are you a dog or are you a cat person mm-hmm. wow okay so it's carefully Okay. So as, as a queen of optics, I would say, um, I am both. And here is why I grew up as more of a cat person. I loved me some kittens, right? I had posters of kittens on my wall and my husband grew up with cats. And so, you know, I have cats, I have cat sat a number of times, but I had a host dog when I was living in Paris, Obi, and he was the most wonderful creature I have ever known you know, um, who was not human. Uh, and after that, I was very much converted into the, uh, the, the dachshund 
ones. So I don't currently have a pet because with three young kids, I mean, that is enough work and I do not wish any additional living beings to take care of um, at this moment. But I think that there's probably a, a dog in our future. We like that. That makes us happy. That makes us happy. Yeah. We are uh we're all loud dog people. Lauren has a full farm. That I know. <laughs> I've met most of that farm. <laughs> LJ, your your volume is super low on your mic. So how's that? Oh, so much better. Light ears. Yeah. Light ears better. Oh. What you gotta do is tell me. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah. I don't know a good signal for that yet. We got to get a hand signal for like, speak up, raise the roof. Yeah, there you go. Hey, any Mercury? And raise the roof. Thank God this isn't, thank God we don't do the video of this. All right. So I am really excited for this conversation, more so because we dipped our toe into it when Andrew um, was uh, on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is, and, and I think it's just become, uh, with, you know, uh, the, the tech world being as volatile as it is today, the, the job seeking experience, um, is as little to be desired these days. Less than yeah. ideal. Less than ideal is a very, very polite way. Of, it's an effing joke. Okay. Um, and the, the nightmarish stories that I have heard. Um, I think our, I think that we have to do better. And so I just, I love that we're going to have this job seeking experience conversation, mm -hmm. uh, that's real raw. Um, some of what you actually went through, mm -hmm. um, cause it lacks total empathy. Yeah. Um, employers are not leading with empathy. And, and so tell us, tell, tell, give us the, give it, give us a little bit about your experience first, and then I want to talk about what, what job seekers need to be doing to combat some of this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it is a, it is a tough market right now, um, and it has been for quite some time. And look, I've told you both this before, job seeking, especially at a managerial or executive level on a permanent basis, it's a process that is designed to make people question their purpose their sense of self and to seek, but potentially fail to find external validation. And I will tell you, it can certainly be uh, exhausting and even demoralizing at times. Can I pause I, right there? Uh, yeah, let, let, let's let, take that in, listeners. Yeah. Because that is a very consistent sentiment. That is just so terrible. It's yeah. Just... But it, 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 like, it punches me in the stomach, but it's very, it is yeah. very true. It is, um, and I mean, I think that we, it is very we look at the job seeking experience with sort of a broad brush and we can't, right? Because it's incredibly nuanced and it's really contingent upon choice and consent in a way. So if you think about it, I mean, okay, think of it as running. There's lots of different ways to run. You can run for exercise, you can run for competition, or you can run because you're being chased. Running isn't an inherently fun thing. It depends on why you're running. And it's the same thing with job seeking. You can be job seeking because you're seeking greener pastures. You can be job seeking because you're trying to reach your full potential and achieve your dreams, right? Or you can be job seeking because you need to. And a lot of people find themselves in, in that latter position right now, right? 
where they're job seeking because they need to support themselves. They need to provide for their families and loved ones. And there isn't a lot out there right now, especially in traditionally, quote unquote, discretionary roles, you know, which uh, which a lot of people happen to fall into. And it's a it's a very reductive way of describing somebody's skill set or the value they bring to the table. But that's just the um, the the honesty of it all. Um, you know, I I was very fortunate in that when I found myself looking for a new role, I had options. I wasn't ever in a state of desperation. Um, I am not the primary breadwinner for my family. Um, I give my husband an unbelievable amount of flack every day, and and some of it is quite merited. But um, the bottom line is he he can support us, and I don't need to work. That being said, I do need to work for me. I deserve right. to work for how good I am and how much I bring to the table. Uh, and it's a huge core part of my identity. And I plan to work until I die. I don't ever plan to retire. I don't really have that desire. I consider it almost a type of exercise for my body. I think my body will fail to feel good at the point that I am no longer working. So when I found myself looking for a new role, it felt like part of me was missing. It felt like I was searching for my car keys and I forgot where I put them. And I knew I couldn't really leave the house until I found them. Um, but there was this fogginess in my brain, in my body, in my identity. Um, and so as I was, you know, structuring the search and, and reaching out to people, I mean, again, I had the advantage of having a huge network and wonderful friends and a great track record. So people took my call. Um, but at the same time, as I was thinking, okay, what will really make me happy and light me up? I realized that, you know, the general experience had changed so fundamentally from the last time I had been searching. Right. Um, and it was so interesting and almost disturbing to see just the amount of interview rounds now that companies are putting through. I was, um, I was speaking with one you know, unnamed healthcare technology company that put me through 16 rounds. I mean, it was just 16, 16. And the only reason I tolerated it is because on paper, it looked like a, like a great dream sort of role. You know, I, I had been in that space before it had been, you know, uh, on a board level. And I was just like, well, this could be really interesting, but I just knew from probably the second hour, I was like, this isn't it. There's no way this is it. There's no way a company that actually cared about me would put me through this, right? Um, and I think that's why I gravitated to staffing because I remember from the Bullhorn days just how people-oriented, you know, staffing executives are. And I just, I wanted that. I wanted that sort of level of perception and understanding of human potential. And I found myself in a very sort of uh, pivotal moment where I was on this webinar for the state of Massachusetts. And I don't tell this story often. Um, this may be the first time I'm ever telling it publicly, actually. But, you know, we were all on this call. It was mandatory for, for tax and reporting purposes. And we couldn't see who the other participants were. But I saw this guy... Um, just by his username, I could tell his name was John. And 
he just, you know, chatted. It was like basically like, you know, tips and tricks. Um, and he chatted his, uh, his desire was to get a, a CDL job. It's like, I really want to get CDL certification um, and become a, a truck driver. I think it's going to be a great way to provide for my family. And we were like, good for you, man. That's great. Um, and then as the, the call wrapped up, I was like glancing at the clock, when, wondering when I could rush off to get lunch at the country club. And they put up a slide that said, we're having a, a coat drive next week. And I was like, okay, great. It's, you know, Massachusetts. So that's certainly well, well thought out. Uh, I can donate a bunch of coats. That sounds great. And then the next slide that flashed up was everybody on this call is allowed to get one adult coat and one child coat. And while I had a mild panic attack inside, as I thought, why am I on this call? Uh, John from earlier chatted in and said, would it be possible for me to forego an adult coat and collect two children's coats instead? Wow. And I burst out crying. And I am glad I was on mute and nobody could see my face. Because I thought the the immediacy with which with which he asked the question and the the thought process that he must have undergone in that moment, right? That instant um, gut reaction of you know I need to keep my children warm, and how do I do that? His willingness to put himself out there in front of a bunch of strangers, right? Sure, anonymized, but nevertheless, what he must have been going through, right? And I thought to myself in that moment, I need to do something that will prevent people like him from having to make that choice. That is not a fair choice. He should not be freezing so his kids can be warm. He deserves to have a coat, and his children deserve to have a coat too. And I thought to employee Bridge, um, who I, you know, started having very preliminary conversations with at that moment, um, with a uh, magnificent Joni Byway. And I'm, I remember looking on their site and realizing that they place, you know, more than four hundred thousand people in jobs, like exactly the job that John was looking for, right? You know, one of the biggest divisions is, is the, the pro driver's business, which is transportation and trucking. And had he been on the Employee Bridge website, maybe he could have found a job that would have allowed him for, for him to get a coat and for his kids to get coats and to not have to worry about food. And I thought, if that's not really a worthwhile way to spend your time trying to create those opportunities for other people so that nobody's freezing again. I don't really know what is, but there are so many people going through that right now. And whether it's, you know, a person looking for hourly work or a contract position or, you know, a traditionally sort of blue collar role, or a lot of our friends and, and, and former colleagues who are now on the hunt for even executive positions or, you know, technical positions or marketing roles. It is just a brutal, brutal time 
to be on the hunt. Mm -hmm. And people are not doing enough to showcase that empathy and willingness to help. You know, just can't lose sight of it. Just because you're, you're gainfully employed at any given moment doesn't mean that you can't vividly picture what would happen if you're not. Yeah. I, I don't get speechless very often. And yeah. I know you've told me that story and uh, privately, but I, I just, it, it's a kick in the stomach. And, you know, as a 26 year veteran in this industry, part of the reason that I've stuck around is because, you know, I have felt the same way at the, at the end of the day, regardless of how shitty it was, uh, regardless of whatever your, your gross margin was. Yeah. At the end of the day, we do help people provide for their families. We do help them set out the, the, the career paths that will, you know, guide them through their careers and through their families and through their lives, um, which is why the industry has always inspired me to stay. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, but right now, we are not doing good enough. Yeah. We aren't. And I'll tell you, I mean, I think that people, what's important to realize, whether you're a job seeker or an employer, is that, you know, chance has no memory. And it's very important to put into place the right puzzle pieces now, because there is a trail of breadcrumbs that people look back on. And it can turn out pretty badly in retrospect. So a couple of years ago, we had this big thing. And I remember when I was, you know, you know, running marketing at a, a big tech startup, um, the topic du jour was quiet quitting and the great resignation. And we wrote any number of fancy, fancy reports on it. And it was really around this idea that candidates held all the power and they were going to kind of redefine and shape the future of work. Um, and that they were ghosting employers and they were accepting rules and then not showing up and all those sorts of things, right? And I mean, I think that it's pretty uniformly acceptable to say that that's not great behavior. But then now we're kind of seeing it on the opposite side, which is a lot of companies who are posting those ghost rules, right? They're trying to um, make it seem like they're still in growth mode by keeping active job recs open that they have no intention of filling. And so they're collecting a bunch of resumes um, and job applications from very, very enthusiastic and potentially desperate applicants, right? Only for those to never materialize or see the light of day, right? Which contributes to, again, that, that, that denigration of someone's dignity. Because when you put yourself out there, crafting a thoughtful cover letter, updating your resume, contacting somebody on LinkedIn, and they give you crickets, that's a slap in their face, but it also causes them to second guess themselves, right? Maybe they wonder, am I not good? Am I not worth respect? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this at all. Like, think about the downstream cascading implications of your behavior on somebody else's life, right? And the thing that I think gets me is. When we have an applicant apply to, let's say a forklift driver is applying to a system engineer role yeah. and employers 
pissed off. Like, why are we getting all this indeed's fault? It's whoever's fault that we're getting these unqualified applicants. Did you ever think that, why are they, why would they be replying to that advertisement? Yeah. And what could you provide to them? That's right. So, and I'll give, what, and, and I'll give you an example. So we used to, I had a Stockton branch and Stockton is um, special, special here in Northern California. Um, but we had a, an exceedingly high ratio of those that had felony backgrounds. Yeah. Right. And I had two agencies right across the street from me. Um, I didn't, I couldn't hire felons. We just weren't insured to. Uh-huh. It was an underwriting issue, qualification issue. Sure. But the two agencies across the street were. So I walked over across the street to say, would you mind if I handed out this piece of paper for those that I can't employ and make sure, you know, who would they speak to and blah, 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 blah. So that whomever came into our branch that I couldn't employ at least felt like I didn't hand them a big bag of print mm-hmm. and a big, big bupkis, a big, big ball of nothingness. Yeah. Um, when they interacted with me or the company that I worked for at the time. I didn't want them to feel that. I didn't want them to feel like there was nothing there for them. Mm-hmm. And that's where we lose this is, it, when, you know, with, with automation and bots responding and all of this stuff is how are we leaving the end user? I have always said technology is enablement. Yes. And it's okay to have a bot on your site, but how is your bot leaving the people that it's engaging with making them feel? I mean, automation is, it giving them- is a means to an end. It's not the end in and of itself. And I think that's something that a lot of us lose sight of, right? I mean, what I've always said is automate the mundane to elevate the human. It's trying to to make easier work of things that don't enrich human lives and in order to free up the human beings to enrich other people's lives, right? That's the goal. Um, And exactly what you're saying, Lauren, around this importance around upskilling and, and reskilling and why would a forklift driver be applying for a system engineer rule? Maybe because they want that rule. Maybe because that's their dream, right? Or maybe because they think that some of the skills they already have in their wheelhouse can be leveraged for something different. I mean, if you think about the trajectory that certain roles have taken in the past 25, even 50 years, it looks vastly different than it did. I mean, you know, we don't have telephone operators the way we did, right? But those are amazing customer service reps. We don't necessarily have, you know, the electrical engineers working on mainframe computers like they did when my dad's age, when he first started programming like Fortran and COBOL, right? But they are now the current, you know, electrical engineers working at Boeing and Airbus, right? I mean, there are any number of ways to reframe your career based on what you're great on. We see it with veterans all the time. You know, mm-hmm. oh my Fire God. Heroes event that we that we sponsored uh, uh, last week. And, you know, think about who, who are some of the best sales leaders I've ever worked with in my career. And I think about them. They're all veterans. All veterans. 100%. 100%. I follow you anywhere. And with good reason, because people have. Um, and... You know, you just think about these skills and think about working moms. Who is better at time management than a mom, right? Who is more capable of operating on no sleep with a thousand people yelling at them from all corners and keeping their calm and being able to hustle, right? It's a mom. So Mm -hmm. if you think about 
upskilling and reskilling, it's not even necessarily just a functional concentration. It's life. And mm -hmm. investing in that is really investing in people's potential, right? It's really having that commitment to championing people. Uh, and it's, it's such an important part of, I think, the promise of what staffing agencies provide. And you could do it on a macro level, the way Employee Bridge does it from sort of a program management standpoint with Bridge to Better. But then I think we all have a duty within ourselves to do it as part of the, the microcosm of the broader world. Like we have a duty to do it within our networks. And I don't think there's a better example of that. And don't cry. Than Lauren Jones. Oh my God. I would I would jump in front of a train for you. I oh. at my lowest points uh, in life, you were there. And I remember, you know, as I was thinking, what is the meaning of my life? What am I what am I doing? And like, what should I be doing? What should I be focused on? It was just a a very tiring time for me from the vantage point of, you know, having such young kids and just, you know, dealing with so many things at once. And you said, girl, I am going to get on a weekly call with you. And even if there's nothing to talk about, I just want you to know that I'm here. And then I started crying again because I was like, I missed for those moments. Uh, no matter what's going on in my week, no matter how complicated it's been no matter what's going on in the world i know lj has my back and that me god that i love you too <laughs> i love you too and that's why it's so important like this is emotional this is more than than a job this is more than a transaction and 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 that's where i feel like we've just lost our way a little bit yeah and you know, anything that it, these are human beings on the other side of these applications. These are human beings on the other side of these bot conversations. Um, and we just lose sight of that. And I know how lonely the job seeking process is. It is lonely yeah. and it is not normal. Like you were saying, you felt like you lost something. It's, it's not normal. We're like, programmed from very early on to get up and go to school and do the thing and come home and sleep and, and then get up and go to work and do the thing and and to not to have this skip of your heartbeat mm -hmm. in the day is a big deal it is a it is it is like living arrhythmia <laughs> um and uh i I, I we have to remember that and that there's a human being on the other side of that and um but i but to that yeah. point i do think i mean i think we're on the precipice of something right i mean we don't necessarily know this has been the hardest possible market to forecast for because every we could have predicted a year or two ago is not particularly correct right and it just it's really it's a work in progress mm -hmm. i i don't know anybody who's got a crystal ball um, even the people who have traditionally been exceptionally skilled at this, right? Um, and so with that in mind, though, I personally, as a hiring manager, am looking at people's career journeys in a very different light than I did 10 years ago, right? 
I'm suddenly not about the whole, you must be a lifer at a specific place. I mean, I think it's important to have some sort of evidence-based indication that you have the capacity for loyalty, right? Um, but mm-hmm. all bets are off. You know, in the past couple of years since COVID, right? I mean, no judgment, literally no judgment. If you've got the skills, if you've got the aptitude, if you've got the ambition and the desire, you've got a seat at my table because I will tell you, there is just no rhyme or reason for a lot of things that have been happening. And mm-hmm. I will not hold that against someone. Also, I think we're kind of past the era of the gold watch. I mean, my dad's generation was very much, he worked for Ramco for 20 years. And that was a, a big deal. Like he re- re- relocated countries for it. He moved us all, you know, to Saudi Arabia. I was born there um, on an American expatriate compound, right? Because that was the sort of sacrifice he made for your job. And that was very normal, right? Um, and I just don't think that's the world we live in anymore. I think that's much more rare. And I think what's going to be more commonplace is this idea of being, you know, picky and and choosy and figuring out, okay, what is the real purpose that you have for work and what lights you up and fills your cup and, you know, what's the sort of mutual beneficial song and dance. What I do worry about um, and I know that we've completely changed the game with the advent of gig work and, you know, uh, just greater flexibility and an increased normalization around remote and hybrid work as well. What I don't want us to do is overcorrect to the point that nobody has any loyalty for anything. Right. Whether it be the candidate or the employer. I don't want to be on either side. I want to see the good old college try. I want us to really make an effort to not necessarily jump or bail on either side at the first sign of trouble or at the first disagreement or at the first challenge, because I think that is setting up generations for failure, right? Like we have to be in it to win it. We have to stick together. We have to be committed, right? There is a lot of opportunity costs to losing that institutional knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. It's important to pick your dream team and really see it through. Maybe that's the golden retriever in me talking, but I am unfailingly loyal to the people I work with and I expect the same in return. And I think that's what creates the greatest success stories. So, you know, I am giving candidates who have had a wild ride over the past couple of years infinite grace, but I encourage them to not lose hope for finding their forever home. It's out there. It's just a a crappy time and place to be looking for it. You're a hundred percent right. You are a hundred percent right. It's a, it's a, we're, you know, we're having these round tables each Friday. Um, and we're having uh, around. We're having these roundtables each Friday, and you know we have job seekers who are still being put through, you know, seven interviews and um, uh, offers redacted or, or um, rescinded, mm-hmm. and you know there's still bad behavior, bad actors going on. Yeah. And you know the point of our call each week is um, 
that there's connection, right? Because connection will help you see it, see it through the other side. Um, but employers in particular simply need to do a few things. Remember that CV is curriculum vitae. Yeah. It is course of life. Yeah. It is their course of life. And recruiters who are changing resumes, shame on you right now. Stop doing it today. It is their course of life, not your course of life. And I don't care what the BMS says. Figure out a way to make your submittal better. Don't change your resume. It is their course of life. And job seekers, what you need to be doing is be is be very clear on why you've made the choices that you've made and yeah. why your course is the way it is. And as long as there's clarity there, on the other side of the table should be all the grace in the world. Yes. And um, so as my favorite sarcastic cerebral golden sure. retriever, <laughs> I am so glad you came on here to tell us, um, to share all of this with us, because I too would step in front of a train for you, my friend. But I think you left us with the most beautiful piece of wisdom as it pertains to experience and and all of this as it pertains to technology, which is very hot right now. And we tend to just get trendy, trendy, but automate the mundane to enrich the human. That is a T-shirt right there. Yeah. I mean, I believe that we're not making any more T-shirts. Um, <laughs> Go to limit that swag budget. Yeah, swag budget. Swag budget. Tapped out here. No, uh, yeah, I've been speechless for most of this, uh, Vinda, so thank you. Um, and yeah. Do better. Lauren is definitely, <laughs> Lauren is definitely everyone's best friend. Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. And I mean, honestly, no. just one final thought for all the job seekers out there. You know, I have been spitting stories for companies for 20 years, right? Queen of Optics, your story will have a happy ending. Don't give up. Always reach out. Ask for advice. Sometimes you just need a high five or a hug or just some words of encouragement to keep on fighting the good fight. It's not you. It's what's happening around you. You are not the problem. You are the solution. I mean... Words of yeah. gold. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like companies don't understand that they're one really good hire away from whatever level that they're looking to get. That's right. And it's very clear that talent takes you there, but it's very disheartening the way that we treat talent. But we can be part of it. Yeah, we even made a special word for them. Talent. That's right. Because it sounded yeah. better. That's right. But that's what they are. Pure All right, talent. Well, Thank you so much, Vendel. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to have a hard time picking out one great soundbite, so thank you for that. <laughs> Fun job I have to do over here when I edit this bad boy, but uh, I don't know. Sarcastic it, cerebral golden retriever. That's gonna that's probably it. No, that's gonna have its own little like. That's gonna have its own little like video. <laughs> right, don't worry. But uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, that's like when I made you say, "There's nothing better than what is it? Something about a ninja turtle." Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it before and I'll say it again. <laughs> Man, I love being a turtle. And I like being a turtle. Love it. That's the millennial in me, Vinda. I got Lauren to be a ninja turtle and and do a good Michelangelo one episode. I'm so, a huge fan. Anyway. All right. Well, love right. you both. Always Thanks, happy guys. to spend an hour with you. Well, Thanks, awesome. Vinda. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the You Own the Experience podcast. You can catch all our previous episodes at whywepodcast.com and learn more about our thriving staffing community by signing up for the Wiley newsletter. And... 
coming soon is Staffing Huddle, an online open community dedicated to your staffing success. I'm Rob. And I'm Lauren. Go do something good. Bye, guys.